Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I hate acrylic nails. I hate acrylic nails. Are you a small-town waitress circa 2004? No, then why do you have square-tipped, plastic, hard-as-fuck acrylic nails? Welcome to Telling Everybody Everything, March 2nd edition. Bobby and I are attending the National Comedy Awards tonight, which I'm not thrilled about. I want to go. I think it's going to be fun. I know that it's Channel 4 uh, affiliated with Stand Up to Cancer, a wonderful charity, um, a wonderful initiative that I always like to do things with. But I'm not really an awards type gal. I feel like it's arbitrary, especially because these ones were voted for by the public. And they kept emailing me being like, share your nomination and get everyone to vote. I didn't share it a single time because I don't want to win an award that way. I don't want to win any award. I'll tell you that because I've been in this game long enough to afford a fucking heated swimming pool and I've won no awards. So they're meaningless to me, but I can't say that on the night if I win because that kind of ruins it for everyone else. So, I mean, hopefully I don't win. If I do, I'm going to have a real hard time not saying that. I think I would just remove myself. I would just be like, you know, everyone's a winner type of deal because I don't, I don't know. It's like one of the things that irks me is awards. I just don't like it. I really don't. I don't understand how one of us gets one and one of us doesn't. And this whole game is a marathon, not a race. And I think it's nice to acknowledge your peers and different productions for all the hard work that they did. But all it took was everyone, critics I'm talking about, not audiences, but critics hating the Duchess. All it took was that. And I was just like, you know what? None of it means anything at all. But I'm super excited to see my friends, my lovely agent, Kitty. Her, um, well, he's an agent now himself. He used to be an assistant, Isaac. I'm going to bring Bobby Kay. Hopefully we'll get some hot picks together. Ashling's going to be there. I know that because she's nominated and she's nominated for an Emmy Award. That's straight after two award shows in one night. But I can't go to that one because obviously I'm on tour. I have a show in Guilford tonight. Um, it will still be great to see who knows who else will be there. Just lots of my friends. Can't wait. Sad that it's an award show, but happy to see my friends and have a drink and participate in anything to do with Stand Up to Cancer. I'm very grateful to Channel 4 for all the opportunities, but I have to go with acrylic nails. That grinds my gears. Basically, I started biting my nails. I don't know why. I do know why. I always have quite long, strong, natural nails. But if I break one, then it's a wrap. 
I break one, I start breaking others, I peel them off, I just, I try to fix it, like Black Swan, if you've seen that film, I try to go, oh, if I just edge off this little hangnail, it'll look better, and then I end up with these crazy nails. My nail tech says I look like a builder, he said that about my hands last week, and I just had to bite the bullet and get acrylic nails put on just so that my own nails could dry, like grow out, and I didn't want to give him too much direction. I thought he understood that I hate acrylic nails because I'm always sat next to these lovely young girls who get the acrylic nails. Fine. But they're clearly not looking after babies or doing any dishes or washing their ass, um, as Cardi B would put it. Cardi B stabbed herself in the asshole with her long, long acrylic nails. And she was happy to tell everyone about that. And I took that as a stern warning that could happen to anyone. So my wonderful nail tech, David, I really love him a lot. He does a great job. All his um, team are great. He made them square and then he did a little design and I don't fault his uh, expertise. I think he did a good job if that's the kind of nail that you like. But I look at my fingers all day, every day, and I just think fingers aren't square. Fingernails are not meant to be square. Why do I have plastic on the end of my fingers? I go like this, hate that. I can't type. I need to be able to type in my life and get things done. I've poked Fred in the face no fewer than five times this week. And it's no one's fault but my own. Why did I have to ruin my nails before? And we were invited to an event last night, the Vanity Fair Rising Stars BAFTA party. And again, I never go out, but I thought, oh, I have a night off. It's good to take Bobby somewhere and just to remember that we have a relationship. It's not just that we have a relationship with Fred and Violet. We have to take each other out on dates now and then. But in the end, we didn't go because now we are going to the Comedy Awards. We can't go out two nights a month, let alone two nights in a row. And honestly, I could not bear to be photographed with square acrylic nails at a Vanity Fair party. Like some type of vintage throwback like I would have to pass it off I would have to wear a whole 90s outfit to make it work I'd have to dye my hair blue white again put fake tan on which is another atrocity like if you want to be modern and fashionable I don't know where you live I don't know what your idea of that is if you want to know my opinion you cannot be tanned if you are naturally Celtic skinned like me Lindsay Lohan taught us the dangers of that you look orange even if you use the best tan, and I have used some great tans, I will be honest, actually. I've used some great ones, but that was because I was going to the Maldives or somewhere that it would look insane to be my color. But if you're going to a fashion event, you don't need to fake tan. And you definitely don't need to have square acrylic nails. And you can't be wearing, well, I don't think there are really rules with shoes. You can't have hose toes. You definitely need a pedicure if you're going to get your toes out. Don't even start me on hose toes because I have them half the time. Um, you just have to wear a closed toe if that's what you've got. And I don't think there are other major faux pas. Oh, oh, also for fashion, you cannot have a thick strip lash. That looks mad as well. You need individuals if you're going to wear a fake lash. You just need to make it look really natural. And if you're my age, 38 and counting, then you need to go easy on the makeup, actually, I think. Just try a fresh, natural look. Look after your skin. Don't have acrylic nails. I need to go back to David ASAP and get these off. How long is it going to take my nails to grow? Oh, my gosh. And look, I'm going to tell you something else that's disgusting. Catherine, you could just stop it right there. You don't have to say it. I'm going to say it. 
I was wiping Fred's bum the other day with the big nails. And I did get shit under my nails on one finger. And I said to Bobby, no matter how much I scrub and disinfect, like I will know that there was shit. And that's never happened with a natural nail, even a long natural nail. I don't understand why it's happened with the acrylics. I need to melt these off ASAP, but I can't go on tour with little stubs. I got to look glam. I mean, if that's the biggest problem in your life, you're doing really well. We are dealing with a host of problems. I'm not even going to get into mentioning the war, the invasion of the Ukraine. That's not what this podcast is about. But I will say that in Manchester, a wonderful man who came to my show with his nephew, he was in the front row. And he wasn't able to bring a flag, a Ukrainian flag, into the venue. And that's nothing about the current um, situation. It's just a venue policy that I guess you're not allowed to bring any flags in. Maybe because it's in Manchester, they also have like football color rules. I don't know. But it's nothing to do with me. The venue just let me know, by the way, we don't let anybody bring flags in. Sorry if you hear anybody complain that we made them put their Ukrainian flag in the coat check. Absolutely. But then the man said during the question period, because I do a little Q&A during my shows. I feel like it's really weird for me to be the only one allowed to speak. I understand that's what the podcast is and that's what stand-up show is, but I like to have some interaction. I like to know what people are thinking. And during the question round, he raised his hand. He said, would you do a round of applause for the Ukraine? And I'm very happy to do that, but I don't, I don't think that's going to solve it. I don't think that's enough. Happy to do it. But it's very frustrating not to know exactly what we can do. I've seen initiatives on Instagram fundraising to give assistance to people who are currently displaced. I feel like that's very proactive, but a room full of people at a comedy clapping. They're not frontline workers. I don't know. I just feel bad about it. I'm not going to talk about it too much. That's not to say that I'm not mindful of what's going on. I'm not doing what I can in my own private time to try to be of some assistance. But I mean, damn, I hope that everyone, wherever you're listening, is feeling safe and well and that we're all looking after each other. And I saw a meme the other day that rings so true is that if you are fortunate enough to be tucking your healthy children into a warm bed at night, then you've won the lottery. You're basically killing it. And if you don't have children, then your dogs. Oh my goodness. Speak of, well, not the devil, the angel of our lives. Fred Kutstra is a guest now on the podcast. He just woke up from his nap and I'm sat on the floor with him trying to work out which of Violet's toys are choking hazards and which are not. Here, Fred, there's a bowl of dog food. Not real dog food. It's a toy bowl of dog food. We need to find a doggie to eat this. Look, I'm hungry. Look. So you mean, like, does he even know what dog food is? In the context, context is very difficult with a baby because, I don't know, they have books where it says, oh, here's what a cow says. Here's what a duck says. And they're just like, what the hell are you talking about? So yesterday we were going for a walk in North London. And where I live is very North London. I mean, it's Hertfordshire, but it's still London. And now I've told you exactly where I live, but everybody knows anyway. Thanks. And who comes trotting by but two local horses? I know they're riders. I know the ponies, actually, because Violet's pony used to live with them at the stables over the road. And I see the horses. Fred has actually never really experienced 
horses in real life. We've taken him to the stables. Oh my gosh, he's so cute. He's spinning a wheel on the bus. Round and around and around and around. Context. The wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round. That's what we're talking about when we sing that song. Round and round. Well done. I saw the horses, and even though we've brought Fred to see them, he hasn't really been interested, hasn't really looked at them. But I know that he's at a different stage of development now where he would clock these horses. Up until now, you know, we take him to farms, we show him big animals, small animals, we take him to the zoo. He does not understand the difference between a giraffe and his littlest dog, Megan the Shih Tzu, Meg Ryan. He just doesn't really seem impressed. But I felt on this day, he's gonna know what the horses are. It's key that they're trotting on the street because you could hear the clip-clop, clip-clop that really helps with the noise that I make like an idiot every time I read the book. So I whip open the pram cover. I take off the rain cover because of course it's raining in the UK always. And I said, look, Fred, look, horse. Do you remember yesterday when we saw a horse? Do you remember? We were going for a walk outside and we saw one. And uh, yeah, he was asleep. I was not to know that he was going to fall asleep 30 seconds after we last left the house. Usually it takes a few minutes. But when I whip the cover open, I'm like, Fred, horse, a horse. And he's like, Ugh. just cold now and shocked and surprised, rubbing his eyes because it's so bright. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to try again with the horses. But context we try to apply it to everything look at this it's a baby baby it's a pretty hoochie looking baby it's a brat's doll but i mean we don't judge there you are fred should we be starting him on those dolls i don't know you have to take their shoes off and everything else because these are major choking hazards major choking hazards what else have I got to tell you this week? There must have been exciting things. Oh, of course. We were on tour. We're on tour now. Guilford, Portsmouth, Birmingham, and Cardiff this weekend. Last weekend, we were up north. We stayed at Rudding Park in Harrogate. I'd never heard of it before, but my tour manager, Annie, found it because she said the easiest place to stay in the middle, which is what we always do for you, Fred, so that you're not moving around too much, is Leeds, but all the nice hotels that we normally stay in were full. I'm looking at you, the Dakota. I will say this as well. The Grand in Birmingham, my favorite Birmingham hotel, they're very proactive. They saw that I was on tour in Birmingham and they emailed me and they said, Catherine, we have a room available for you. Are you staying in Birmingham? And I said, no, I'm driving home, but thanks. I understand that hotels are too busy to know where I am coming and going, but it's that extra customer service, you know, just a beautiful touch. Anyway, I am not staying in Birmingham, but I had to stay near Leeds. So Annie found Rudding Park in Harrogate, which I cannot recommend highly enough. It was beautiful. If you are planning a bachelorette party, what do you call that, hen do in the UK, just a girl's weekend away, maybe a baby moon before noises like this start to be everyday part of your life maybe a couple's retreat or maybe just take yourself away it is a spa and resort in the beautiful north yorkshire countryside there's lots to do there um if you don't have a baby i mean fred was not allowed in the rooftop spa and i understand why that is it's not a serene place for people if there are children and babies up there plus the roof it's probably dangerous. They had a super hot pool and I saw people's photos when it was snowing. It was even nicer. It was beautiful and sunny while we were there, but God, it's lovely. 
all types of different saunas, steam rooms. You can get lots of treatments there. They have a mud room. They have an oxygen room. I was not able to experience any of that because I was hanging out with Fred, but Annie and Bobby really liked it. And, oh, cocktails up there. Two bars up there. Yes. When Annie went, they brought her a glass of Prosecco right away without even asking. So, I mean, it's basically a heroic place. But the customer service in the bar and restaurant was great. Their fish and chips said gluten-free next to it, the little GF symbol. And I was like, what? And I don't always trust restaurants to make things actually gluten-free. So I asked the wonderful Mater D, genuinely probably the best server I've ever encountered. I don't know his name. He was wearing a mask. He could be anyone, really. Uh, he said to me, Madame, the gluten-free fish and chips are always gluten-free. We don't even make regular fish and chips. We only make gluten-free fish and chips because we find that the breading is crispier. Flour makes it like claggy. And that is like talking my language. I've never heard such a sexy statement come out of the mouth of any man. He is absolutely right. A gluten-free breading is way crispier, lighter, crunchier. Fuck, it was delicious. Oh, I, you can still say fuck around babies because they can't repeat you yet. It was delicious fish and chips. The best fish and, fish and chips that we've ever had, wasn't it, Fred? And I love to get that because that's something that I can mush up. I can take a bit of the cod and the mushy peas and order a side of mash or something and give that to Fred and he can have his own little fish and chips. And Fred's gluten-free too, just for now. You know, we just haven't introduced any wheat uh, into his life yet. I figure why, why start early? Well, because Catherine, there's evidence to suggest that introducing allergens often and early helps build natural antibodies and immunity to those allergens. And then your babies are less likely to have allergies. Fine. But uh, we do that with nuts and we do that with chickpeas and seeds and things, but we don't do it with milk or gluten. Not yet. The eczema is gone, but it comes back every few days. We don't really know what's causing it. I don't want to take him for blood tests, but I digress. You got to go to Reading Park in Harrogate. You've got to experience the spa. I was able to take Fred in the indoor pool for a little swim, wasn't I, Fred? But one thing that hotels always do, and I don't blame them for doing this. I know they do it because a lot of their guests just hate kids or don't want to be disturbed by a child. I get it. And a lot of people's children are assholes. I get it. But they go, oh, yeah, your child can swim in the pool. We have family swim times. We actually have two family swim times a day. The first one is between 9.38 and 9.42 a.m., right smack in the middle of their nap time. And the second one is between 4.22 and 4.27 p.m., right smack in the middle of their afternoon nap time. So fuck you. Enjoy that. Every hotel does that. I understand. But then they said, oh, we'll make an exception for you, Ms. Ryan. You can take the baby. And I just thought, no, I don't like to be the exception. Because what's going to happen then is I'm swimming with Fred in the pool at 10.17. And a lot of people recognize me from... I don't know what they're watching, Taskmaster usually, to be very honest. It's a great show. And they say, hey, there's Catherine Ryan thinking that she's above the law and she can take her baby swimming any old time. And I'll be like, no, they made an exception. I mean, maybe they make exceptions for all babies because babies don't scream and jump in the pool the way maybe an older child would. I don't know. I appreciate the gesture, but no. I had a delicious margarita while I was there really nice salted rim. I had great selection of gin and tonics while I was there. Didn't drink any wine while I was there. Who even am I anymore, Fred? 
Fred napped outside. They have two golf courses, I think, like a short course and a long course. Bobby golfed. I mean, it was just an incredible time. I love being on tour. It's late, late nights and early mornings because, of course, we were satelliting out to Doncaster, Newcastle, Manchester, Blackpool, all incredible shows. We had a blast. I was supported by Michelle DeSwart and Tanya Moore and Stephen Bailey. They're always swapping in and out depending on people's availability. And I had the great pleasure of being supported by Dan Nightingale, who I've never had before. And he's great. He's got a tour coming up. And he's also half of the podcast with Adam Rowe called Have a Word. And that's a really great podcast. It's doing well if you're looking for a new comedy podcast to listen to. It's really blokey, uh, not in a bad way. They have lots of guys on. And there's one clip in particular that I just feel is so hilarious and I need to find it. Yeah, Fred, it's so funny. I want to show it to daddy. It is a guy. It's such a, I love authenticity and specificity in comedy. And I love hearing something that no one else can emulate. No one else can tell this story. I'll never hear it anywhere else. And there was a guy on an episode who talked about having a brother with autism um, whose mom, uh, the brother wanted to wrestle. It's, it's the Jamie Hutchinson, and it's called the Dr. Catford clip. I remember Dan told me. The brother liked to wrestle uh, Jamie, I guess. And he got bigger and bigger. And the point, he started like beating the shit out of him, literally. And the mom was like, well, you can't just stop wrestling him. It's part of his routine. I won't go into the story, but I mean, that's basically the story. It's so funny the way he tells it. Just lots of mad stuff on there. We've been having fun, haven't we, Fred? You've been such a great guest on the podcast. Fred laughs like Jimmy Carr, and I've yet to record it yet, but I'm not joking. When he laughs, he laughs backwards like, ha, 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 ha. Don't you, Fred? I wish you would do it. It would be such a scandal. It's hilarious. On the subject of scandal, get a fucking shovel and dig this. I have multiple groups of girlfriends back home in Canada. I have two sisters, one of whom is a teacher. I have girlfriends from my own university. I have girlfriends from my high school. I have girlfriends from Hooters. I'm very lucky to be in touch with so many formidable women. So please, no one guess whose child and whose school this is back home. I'm only telling the story because there is an ocean between us. But a man's life is potentially about to There are teaching aids available now that we didn't use growing up or teachers didn't use with us. Nowadays, when you're teaching some boys and girls, you have a laptop open and you'll be sharing a screen using projection or, you know, a bigger screen sharing program. I don't really know how they do it. But basically, a lot of the lessons are coming from the teacher's laptop. You can see where I'm going with this. The laptop should not probably be a personal one. I would assume that it is a school-owned device. But in this instance, some boys and girls went to school one day and their teacher was trying to load a lesson and looking for something in a browser to do with that lesson. But the bookmarked search history came up instead. And what the teacher had previously, uh, recently (laughs) searched was like, thick women, big booties or something. It definitely was thick women and big boobs or big booties, whatever. And the children, of course, you know, they're not paying attention to any of the lesson. They'd be looking out the window for the whole day. But when they see a buzzword like boobies, 
all attention on the board. They all saw it in a flash. You know what kids are like. They'll just see the thing they're not supposed to see. They're like, ah, oh my gosh, the teacher's got big butts, thick booty, whatever, on his uh, recent search. Ah, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure the man's heart just sank because he was not trying to show this to the children. It's not as though he had porn open. It just came up as a recent search from what I understand from the moms. And the moms are all up in arms. Of course, this is fed back to them. And the moms are saying to me, like, what should we do? We're all going to get together and go to the headmaster about this. We're going to complain. Blah, 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 blah. He shouldn't be doing it. It's so inappropriate. And I feel like I, oh, I understand where they're coming from. But a man searching thick women and big booties, from my perspective, that's exactly who I want teaching my teenage daughter you know he's not searching like teenage women or you know I don't know what popular searches are like I think a lot of pornography depicts young vulnerable women in compromising situations or like young you know I want a teacher well ideally I don't want the teacher using his school computer for masturbatory, whatever is going on. But if he is, or if there's some crossover with computers, or if he was using it at home the night before, who fucking knows? And what I want him searching is MILFs, thickness, adult women, because no one that age fits that description. Do you see what I mean? And I think even if you're explicitly not a pedo, A lot of pop culture, even music culture, even pornographic culture, you know, it'll be like, oh, barely legal, 18, in a schoolgirl uniform, like porn. I feel like that's really inappropriate. I need to find this man in Canada, recruit him somehow, get him over to like, I don't know, privately tutor my kids. I feel like (laughs) you know this guy likes adult women and I just... I feel so badly because I I know what it looks like. I know how angry the moms are. I know when anything sexual even briefly enters the classroom, even if it's like a tiny little search history, the moms are up in arms and they've got pitchforks now. They really want to tear this man apart. I'm like, oh, I just wish that we could show some grace. Yes, it's inappropriate. Go search that stuff on your home computer. But I feel like this guy's definitely not a danger to your kids. And I said, <laughs> said to my friends, thick women, big booties, did a picture of me come up? They were not amused. They're not amused. I, I see the funny side. Do you know, it was an accident. I just think, what is a greater threat to your children? The guy who likes thick women or the guy who's like, I don't know, extra creepy coaching gymnastics, very interested in spending all of his time with teenage girls. I don't know. I don't know. It's so hard to be a teacher now. I really respect great teachers. And I know that the standard is so high. And I know that this is probably not. Oh, my God. I just got a text from Violet. Someone put blood in her locker. What does that even Oh, right. I got to deal with whatever this situation is. I got to find out where the blood is from. Why? Like how much blood? Are we talking about Carrie? Horror levels of blood? Are we talking about, God forbid, you know, menstrual blood. What are we talking about? I got to get to the bottom of this. Fred's with his dad now, who's back from his haircut. Bobby will be looking so tight on the Comedy Awards red carpet tonight. We are excited to raise a glass just to everyone equally and their achievements. 
tonight. Congratulations to everyone going to the Enemy Awards. Um, always an uneventful, just smooth, soft evening with no controversy following that. I will be on tour, like I said, this weekend. Please come and see me. Please get my book, The Audacity, if you don't have it already. You can listen to my mom's podcast, Jules Says, if you're looking for something new. I'm going to leave you now to listen to these amazing words from our sponsors. And when we return... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, Catherine, I've been with my boyfriend for about three years. We accidentally, and despite our best efforts, fell in love, even though we have a 12-year age gap. I'm 22, and he's 34. I know you don't approve, but he's really the exception, and we were both in sort of transition stages in our lives when we met, so there's nothing creepy happening here. My friends and family adore him. Fine. There are exceptions. Anyway, I'm considering leaving my graduate program and trying to go to med school. The whole process, start to finish, might take between 7 to 10 years, which, by the way, as an aside, is not that long. It feels like a really long time now, but when it's behind you, it will feel like nothing. This is the same thing that I say to young people getting braces. They go, oh my God, I'm going to have braces for tears. I'm going to be so ugly. Uh, Correct. But then you're going to get them off and you will be thrilled and you won't even remember that two years and it will seem like a blink. And in your whole lifetime, 10 years, absolutely worth it to become a doctor. You graduate and, and you're like 30 or 32, you're a baby still. So yes, go and do that now. Great. Here's my dilemma. I know that we will probably get married in the next two years and my boyfriend is ready to have children. Well, well, well. I thought the 12-year age gap was not a problem for you. It was fine for you to date a 34-year-old and that he's great and everything else. But now he is ready to have children. He's ready because he's 34. Well, guess what, sir? You're dating a 22-year-old who's about to go to medical school. So, I mean, you're not dealing with another 34-year-old woman who has already done those things and who is in the same place that you are. You're dealing with a 22-year-old woman. And, I mean, he needs to be mindful of that, especially because men can have babies until they're 100 years old. Bernie Eccleston, as an example. Okay. Oh, I love him. I know he'll be such an amazing father, like he is to you. Just kidding. Ah, just kidding. No, that was not appropriate. Okay. But I'm worried about having a newborn during medical school. Time off, 
physically having a child, nursing and pumping on the go, sending a newborn into childcare, all of that feels guilt-inducing and I don't even have the baby yet. On the other hand, I've never wanted to be a stay-at-home mom like my sister is. Burn on the sister. Having my own career and being independent is so important to me. Can you give me any advice on finding the courage, dare I say the audacity, to leave my current program and become a doctor? Do you think that I would be insane to have a baby during a program like that? Can I do it? And would it be fair to our baby? So would you be insane to have a baby during a program like that? Yes. Can you do it? Yes. And would it be fair to our baby? Yes. Because they're all different shapes of families. There are many people who work full time from the time that their infant is born and that infant goes to daycare or is looked after by family or babysitters or whatever. People do all sorts of things to chase their dreams and to have it all. I don't believe that you can comfortably have it all. I think that I was insane booking a national tour, a peppered in between loads of filming commitments and my podcast and corporate jobs and contracts, what have you. But I'm 38. I was 36 when I first got pregnant trying to have friends. And uh, I don't have the luxury of time, biologically speaking. It was just like, well, you're never ready, so do it now, now or never. And truthfully, I've had all those wonderful experiences. I've done loads of projects that were meaningful to me. I put a lot of things, you know, first and didn't have children for over a decade. You're 22. I mean, if if you're feeling all these reasons why you might feel guilty or you're worried about it, then definitely don't do it. Don't do it at all because that's your own intuition telling you something. And you can wait ages if you want to. You can finish medical school and then do it. You'll still be away from home a lot as a doctor and your baby will still probably be in daycare, but you're not in a rush. I I mean, I hope you don't feel pressured by this boyfriend to be in a rush. I know you love him and he's great and I'm just kidding when I slag him off. But... I think you need to have this time in your life. If he's right for you and you love him as much as you say, and he is perfect, la la la, then he will patiently wait for you to live in a dormitory or medical school community if you want to, or he'll come with you and you'll have an amazing young couple's apartment and you'll be able to do medical school and you'll travel and, you know, you you need to do all of those things, I feel like. And if... He is the one and he's as wonderful as you say. Then when you get out of school, he'll only be 44, which in man years is young. And you can have children then. Do it now if you want to do it now. Like, why don't you try a few years of medical school so that you know what it feels like and then make the decision. Don't do it now just as you're leaving your graduate program, like changing everything at once. Just wait. I had Violet when I was 25 and I don't regret that, but I've changed loads since then. And I was not in medical school. So wait, wait, I think. But if you choose to ignore my advice, then you can absolutely figure it out and find a way. By the way, as a general rule, never, ever, ever have a baby by yourself or with anyone unless you are desperate to have that baby because it takes so much work and so much of your time. And I really believe the only people who should have children are those desperate, 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 desperate to have them. Not on a whim. You know, you can, it can work out in the end. Yes, of course. And there are blessings from God in the universe when you least expect them, blah, 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 everything else. But if someone's pressuring you or you feel like you're having a baby for someone else, just no. Step away from the penis. 
a friendly little trigger warning. This next bit is going to be about domestic abuse, coercive control, um, bad, you know, dangerous relationships, and homicide. Someone has sent me this in the email. I'm very grateful for it. It is from a, a homicide timeline devised by Jane Monkton Smith. Because we spoke about Kim and Kanye, I'm not at all uh, suggesting that this relationship could go in that direction, but I'm just saying on the subject of coercive control and those types of relationships, it might be useful for some of you to hear this homicide timeline. If you haven't seen it already, it's from the School of Natural and Social Sciences, University of Gloucester. Okay, so number one, pre-relationship history. Do they have a criminal record or allegations from former partners of control? domestic abuse or stalking. Victims are often aware but do not always believe these reports. Number two, I'm like squinting to see it. Is there something wrong with my eyesight? Do you know what? I think there might be because I am taking my medication for lupus again, which is hydroxychloroquine, which only in huge amounts should affect your eyesight. But lately, sometimes I'm out and the whole world just starts flashing apart from a little pinhole in front of me. And then I thought, oh, that's because I have such blue eyes. I'm basically like an owl. I got sun in my eyes, something like that. And I could still see where I was going with Fred, but I felt quite disoriented and I couldn't see my phone. And then I got, you know, I could see traffic, so it was fine. So I walked all the way home and then I said it to Bobby and he was kind of concerned. But then it happened a few days later in the house that everything peripherally started flashing and I could only see a little bit in front of me clearly, couldn't read the phone. What's that? What's that all about? Ophthalmologists, get in touch. All right, so I'm squinting now to read the rest of this relationship timeline. I'm sorry for the diversion. Number two, early relationship. The relationship sped up with early declarations of love, possessiveness, and jealousy. Number three, in the relationship. It's dominated by coercive control, usually with some of the high-risk markers. Number four, triggers. An event occurs which threatens the control of the perpetrator, usually separation or its potential. It may be a physical or mental illness or financial problems. Loads of triggers. Number five, escalation. An increase in frequency or severity of control tactics like suicidal threats, begging, violence, and stalking. The person attempts to reinstate control. Number six, change in thinking. Feelings of revenge, injustice, or humiliation may drive a decision to resolve issues through either moving on, revenge, or homicide. Whoa. Planning. Number seven, may include buying weapons, seeking opportunities to get the victim alone, stalking, and threats. Number eight, homicide. May involve extreme violence, suicide, suspicious death, missing person, multiple victims. I have to say that this feels pretty true in the instances of homicide that I've personally seen in relationships from people that I know, especially the trigger, the escalation, the change in thinking, the planning, like, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry to bring the mood down, but I think maybe some people will benefit from hearing that. Pre-relationship history, I think, is a really big one. If someone has a criminal record or allegations from former partners of control, domestic abuse, or stalking, you wouldn't believe how many people write me and they're like, so my partner was convicted of domestic assault before, but that was that bitch's fault. It's like, what? Do you know how difficult it is to actually get a conviction? If someone wants to date you, oh, and these are usually such young, like, I'm 20 and my incarcerated partner, it's like, 
take the red flags, see the red flags. It doesn't mean that this person is beyond rehabilitation. It doesn't mean they should be discarded or that they're terrible. But it just means, you know, you don't have time for that shit, basically. Ooh, this one caught my eye. Catherine, should I tell my mom about my dad's new baby? Catherine, some backstory. My parents have been attempting to settle their divorce for three years. I'm 25. I live on my own in a different state from them. My brother's 23, living with my mom as he's still in school. Shortly after my mom filed for divorce, my dad got a new girlfriend. He hadn't told any of us, which I don't care about. We knew anyways. Moving on, my mom's not been doing well in this divorce. She was a stay-at-home mom, forced to be so by my dad, and my dad wants her to get nothing because he feels that she's betrayed him by leaving. What a fucking loser. Ugh. I mean, on the subject of coercive control. So, no offense. I know this is your dad, and you'll always love your dad, even if he does things, you know, even if he's an asshole sometimes. But encouraging someone to stay at home and look after your two children look after the house, support you in your career. That's fine if that's what you want to do. But the danger of you being put in that position is if at the end of the day, you fall out and they go, oh, all of that work that you did has no value. It had no value then. It has no value now. I had ownership of you basically that entire time like a child. And now that you are deciding to leave me, you aren't entitled to that because you're a possession. And therefore, you know, you served me for nothing, like a slave, and you owed nothing. It's just, it's so bad. And this is why, like, for example, Bobby is a stay-at-home dad. We, he feels very safe in that we don't have that dynamic at all. I value all the work that he puts into the house just as... I would assume he would value me putting in that work if I was staying home. You do not get yourself in a position like that unless you are 100% certain that your partner values what you're doing in the house because this is what happens. Ugh. Ugh. My mom's traumatized by their marriage. Yeah. And blinded by her rage and disappointment of his behavior. Don't suggest therapy. We've done that. She thinks it's bogus. Well, I mean... Yeah, she's got bigger fish to fry at the minute, I feel like, like learning, like finding out how she's going to live. Um, therapy maybe is something she'd be open to down the road. He's manipulative, a chronic liar, but I feel he's become a better person since the beginning of this. My brother and I feel that although he was a trash husband, he was a good father. I don't think that you can be a good father and a trash husband. Because the best thing that you can do for their child, for your children is honor and support their mother. I think that. That's maybe a traditional old view. And some of you will be getting the emails open already. Like, what? You can be. No, I really don't think so. And there are different exceptions to this, of course. Maybe the mother um, is really toxic and dangerous and, and the dad wasn't a good husband to her because of he couldn't. Um, really be present in that toxic relationship, but he was good to his kids. But in this scenario, no. If your dad treated your mother like nothing she did was valued and she's traumatized from their marriage, then he was not a good father to you. Again, I'm trashing your dad. I'm really sorry to do that. I'm happy that you can see the good points about your dad, but he needed to look after the woman who's looking after you and treat her with an ounce of respect, which obviously he did not. 
We've not asked my dad about his girlfriend or pressed for any kind of personal social information or confirmation. We don't want to hear it. My mom has a boyfriend we hate. He's like our dad in a different font, and she includes us entirely too much in that. Yeah, well, no wonder, though. Like, it's better the devil you know. Your mom's not going to go from someone like that to just the most amazing guy on the planet. She has low self-esteem. She's traumatized by her relationship. And so she doesn't think she's worth someone who's going to treat her better. She has invested her entire life in someone who devalued her existence. Recently, my dad picked my brother and I up from the airport for a trip. When he dropped us off at our mom's, he said, hey guys, come here for a sec and showed us a photo of a baby on his phone. This is your brother. He's two weeks old. Keep in mind, we did not officially know about his girlfriend, and we had no prior knowledge of her even being pregnant. Regardless, we are excited, and we think he's super cute. We've not told my mom. The reason being, in December of last year, she went to my dad's new place of residence, which is his girlfriend's place, and used the spare key she still had to take his truck. This technically wasn't illegal, because assets haven't been divided, but like everything else, only his name is on the ownership of the truck. My dad was able to charm the cops, and to be honest, she does a horrible job of talking herself out of anything. Usually she shoots herself in the foot, and in this instance, she ended up spending 24 hours in jail. Why is this relevant? The entire divorce, she's been fixated on my dad having a second family or starting a new one. She tells my brother and me his girlfriend has a son, age nine, and he doesn't need our original nuclear family anymore. My brother and I are unbothered. We have a pretty good relationship with him but she is still manic. We worry that if she finds out about our brother, she'll do something that will hurt her in the divorce proceedings. But doesn't she have a right to know? My dad prefers she doesn't find out, but has not explicitly told us not to tell her. Holy shit. All right. You need therapy, not your mom. I mean, maybe your mom down the road, but we need to get your mask on first because it really feels like you are the parent in this dynamic right now. And how old did you say you were? 25. Not ideal. It's very sad and really destabilizing to see your parents uh, behave this way. You know, they are these grand figures of care and control and, and nurturing when you're growing up. And this is just a whole mess on both sides. And it's good that you can see the positive in it. But I feel like you and your brother need to show your mother the grace that your dad is unable to. You need to watch. Dear John, I think it's on Netflix, series two, about the woman who killed her husband. Um, She's played by, who, Amanda Peet, I believe. Anyway, she does a great job. And this woman's vilified because the divorce gaslights her. Everything this man does drives her literally mental. And, well, I won't spoil it for you. Something bad happens in the end. I'm not saying that your mother's going down this path. I'm just saying that she's clearly been devalued, traumatized, gaslit, everything that she believed was a lie. She thought she was married to someone that is completely different from who she thought she was married to. Do you understand how it feels to dedicate your entire life to something? She doesn't have a plan B. She presumably doesn't have a degree, doesn't have experience in the workforce. Like he was her plan A, B, C, raising you guys. And to see that count for nothing And to see him move on with another family. And obviously she's too honest for her own good. She's like, yeah, I stole the truck. I mean, what is hers then? If assets haven't been divided, but yet he feels like she has no entitlement to anything, what's she supposed to do? You need to look after this woman, but first you need to look after yourself. 
I understand why you don't want to tell her about this baby. And don't worry about she has a right to know. Like, principle is overrated. In this instance, you're in a crisis situation. You need to hit the safety switch and not do anything that's going to further antagonize this woman. She might feel betrayed down the road knowing that you and your brother hid something like this from her. But I think right now, check this with a therapist for me. But right now, I think that in a crisis mode, she will understand that you are trying to preserve what mental health she has remaining. She's in a bad relationship, a bad new relationship. She probably feels dirty because she's not from the type of upbringing where divorce is okay. Everyone that she thought loved her seems to have turned their back on her. And she probably does feel slightly, um, you know, like you and your brother have been disloyal by being cool with your dad after what he's done to her. And that's not fair to you either. But this is why you need to get therapy. You need to look at your mother and imagine yourself in her shoes and how you would feel if you dedicated your one life that a lot of people believe that you are gifted on this earth to a man who's going to turn around and treat you like that in your 50s. Women in their 50s have enough problems. Menopause, they all of a sudden feel invisible out of nowhere. They don't feel as beautiful as they used to. Your mother is in the center of an absolute shitstorm, and we got to get her out of it. Yeah, don't tell her about the baby. Get yourself some therapy ASAP, but please be the one person who shows your mother the empathy that she deserves. And if you have a good relationship with your dad, maybe have a chat with him. I'd be like, you know, mom dedicated her entire life to you and you're treating her like shit and say all this in front of his new baby's mother. Ooh, in happier news, some of you might have heard if you listened to the podcast last week that I suggested a young woman catfish her own father. He was on dating sites and acting like a prick. A woman has done this. And she's my new hero, Catherine. I just listened to last week's podcast. I wanted to get in touch because years ago, my mom wasn't sure to trust her partner at the time or not. Long story short, we catfished the shit out of him. My mom was divorced from my terrible dad, and it had taken a long time for her to trust anyone new. After some meh dates, she met someone with whom she was with for about two years. He was kind, funny, and treated all of us so well. He had to travel regularly for work, and after a particular trip seemed distant and he was barely in touch, this was the Wild West days of the internet, pre-Facebook, and adults were not on MySpace, she had little to go on, but she searched for his name. As due to the nature of his job, she was worried maybe something happened to him. A dating profile came up. She was hopeful that it was from before they met. In my teenage wisdom, I suggested there was only one way to be sure. My catfish profile was born. After some initial messages, we suggested they meet. We got a message from him, having been stood up on a cold, dark night in another city, that he waited in the rain 30 minutes for our catfish to show. To this day, he has no idea it was us the whole time. As much as my mom was heartbroken, she knew for sure she had closer closure to end the relationship and in her saddest moments she just thought of him waiting alone on a winter night and that cheered her up well done let's catfish all of our dads i'm worried about this one it's called Catherine. have i ruined my own life i'm sure that you have not sorry to sound dramatic Catherine. i'm panicked that i might have fucked up my ex and i split up this week after 10 months Our relationship was full on quite quickly. He moved in on day two. To cut a long story short, things have never been amazing. A couple of months in, his ex-baby mama told me they had slept together. And although he denied it, I don't think things were ever the same after that. I have trust issues anyway. So this has been at the back of my mind ever since. 
Over the last couple of months, I'd really started to resent him. He didn't contribute toward bills, to financial problems. Oh, due to financial problems, he stopped doing things around the house. And I don't think he's taken me on a date in about seven months. This all came to a head when my stepdad died. I didn't feel like he was there for me. And it just got me thinking, there's got to be more to life than this. It all came out one day and I told him how I felt. It blew up into a huge argument and he didn't understand how I felt at all. He either had an excuse for everything or told me I did it too so I had no right to be upset. He decided on Monday he needed space but left things very ambiguous. By Friday I still hadn't heard from him so I decided to drop his stuff at his mum's. Surely five days is enough time to think, right? Anyway, we've had no contact since that Monday. He didn't even text me when I dropped his stuff off. He wasn't there. And now I'm panicking that I completely fucked up by not reaching out to him. There's a lot I've missed out about his self-proclaimed narcissism and other issues. Am I wrong here? What, what? I constantly find myself giving advice based off what I think you'd say, but I can't seem to apply it to myself? Uh, what? This is the best thing that has ever happened to you in your life, getting rid of this man. Yes, he did sleep with his ex. He 100% had sex with his ex. If she reached out to you and says they had sex, then they had sex. There's maybe a 3% chance that she's lying just to mess up your life. Um, I'm going to drop that to 2% chance, 98% chance. And that is high enough to confirm like a DNA match, I feel. He absolutely fucked his ex. And regardless of that, things have never been amazing. And he doesn't contribute financially. And he doesn't make you feel special by taking you out. And furthermore, when you raise these issues, he turns around and says it's you. Fine. Let it be you then. Do you know so many people are like, well, I need to come out of this relationship correct. Clean as a whistle. I need him to understand before I can leave. I don't want to be the bad guy. I am not the bad guy. You know, you get this sense of like, I have been wronged and I need to explain myself. No, you fucking don't. He, he needed time to think. Think about what? Why is he holding all the cards anyway? Never complain, never explain. You do not speak to this man ever again. You don't need to sit down and be like, oh, I just want to know what. Don't ask a question if the answer A doesn't matter or B is going to be a lie. He doesn't need to know that you know he fucked his ex. You don't need to hear him say he fucked his ex. You don't need him to acknowledge, yes, you're right. I do treat you badly and I don't pay the bills. You're right. You don't ever need to hear that from him. You are presumably young. Oh my God, you came to my show alone this week. Oh my God. See, you're very brave. And 10 months is nothing in your life. I know you feel bad right now, probably because you feel panicked. Your body and your soul crave balance. Balance is a really safe place. So as soon as everything goes off kilter, even if it's going in the right direction, that feels really unsteady. So you try to get that balance back. You go, oh my God, oh my God, everything's different now. What if, I know what your fear is. You think, what if he's right? What if I am the problem and he's going to go on and be super, super happy with someone else? And I, if I had just tried harder, I could have made our relationship better. No, you couldn't have. This is done. This is not the right relationship for you. I know you feel like you're in love. You can be in love with a hundred assholes in your life, but it's time to thank him for his service and let him go. You don't need to settle any arguments. You don't need to be heard. You don't need any more answers. He's done. You've not ruined your life. I mean, it seems like you 
kind of pissed away the last 10 months of your life, if I'm honest with you, but that doesn't matter because hopefully you come out of this with some lessons. Get him out of your head. You are, this is the best thing that ever happened to you. I'm not even kidding. And even if you're the bad one, even if everything he's ever said that's nasty about you is correct, oh well, you will be better in the right relationship. And I mean, read this back to yourself. He did this, he did that. He did this, he did that. Also, it started out too quickly. He sounds to me like this was going down a dangerous path. I don't know. Just, it was just only going to get more toxic. He's cheating. He's not financially contributing. What an asshole. I'm sorry about your stepdad. Take yourself out on a date with your girlfriends and meet someone else. Thank you so much for loyally listening to Telling Everybody Everything. If you would like me to answer your burning questions, you can email me tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. If you don't already follow me on social media, pretty much all my handles are kathbum, K-A-T-H-B-U-M. You know that already. I am on tour in the UK for quite a long time. We've added some more dates in London. There's a big show in Birmingham this Saturday night that is not sold out because it's in an arena. Um, I would love to see you there, and I hope you're looking after each other. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.